Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, your one-stop shop to learn about all the hideous happenings of the week. So you don't have to read the news. We read we read the news so you don't have to. I'm Kevin Barrett with J. Michael Springman, author of Visas for Al-Qaeda, Hello, Miracle, Goodbye, Chaos. No, the other way around. Uh, and other good stuff. How are you doing, Mike? Good. I'm fine. I'm happy to be here and to uh, uh, help throw rocks at the uh, bird brains who are running the government and the economy. Okay, well, we're we're hurling not just rocks, but bricks through the Overton window in terms of what's allowed to be said. And uh, we will say whatever we think, which is pretty much the most radical stance you can take these days, and it can get you deplatformed and so on. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I think we're still behind on our fundraiser. So if you like the questioning, everything that goes on on False Flag Weekly News, please do try to find a way to get involved in our fundraisers. If you go to the False Flag Weekly News link at truthjihad.com, click on that False Flag Weekly News link, you'll find the shows. You click on each show, you look at the fundraiser, you go to the fundraiser, and you give us money. And if you don't, I'm going to do terrible things with this cat. Where's the cat? I don't know. The cat's not here. Anyway, he, he would have to make cat videos, and that would be very sad. So, okay, how many more disclaimers do we have to go through here? Uh, some people find this stuff disturbing, and what else? Uh, <laughs> Uh, it threatens some people's medical, I mean, mental health, not medical health. Hopefully you can get through this stuff without a heart attack, but uh, don't go to us for treatment. If you have any problems, medical and or mental uh, resulting from this show or anything else, we're not medical doctors, nor are we psychiatrists, but we are trying to diagnose the mental illnesses of entire societies and cultures. It's a dirty job, but somebody has got to do it. And here's our image of the week with, uh, the uh, Ukro-Nazi image, uh, Hitler stands with Ukraine. And I tweeted that, as you see in the next slide, I believe it is, uh, and then got banned. The Twitter took out this image, at least in Germany. So, Mike, apparently you're not allowed to make fun of Nazis or to mock, deride, or insult Adolf Hitler in Germany. <laughs> well, that's a turnabout because the Germans have been imprisoning people and fining them for years uh, for displaying Nazi regalia like the the swastika or uh, trying to uh, buy a copy of Mein Kampf that Adolf wrote. Uh, but somehow when it comes to uh, using Adolf to throw rocks at other Nazis, uh, that's verboten in, in the Holy Land there. Well, I'm told that the real reason that Twitter banned this tweet is that the uh, the Germans are completely impervious to irony. So they thought that I was a real Nazi uh, calling for people to stand with Ukraine uh, and stand with Hitler for Ukraine. Uh, and and even though they love the stand with Ukraine part and they love the support the Ukro Nazis part, they don't like the stand with Hitler part. So they, they don't get the irony. And uh, God bless them. You know, good luck, Germany. I think you're, you're in serious trouble as a nation, especially when the gas runs out, which yeah. it will any day now. Uh, so next slide, uh, this is our PSA uh, announcement. You know, we missed this. Apparently, uh, Elias Davidson, one of the great 9-11 researcher authors, passed away a couple of weeks ago. And so, uh, Allah yurhamhu, inna lillahi wa nilahi rajiun, we lost him and Nader Talabzada, the great Iranian talk show host in kind of the same period here. And, and these are significant losses. These are both really great people. And Elias Davidson's work on proving that the U.S. government indictment uh, of non, non-formal indictment, media indictment of the 19 individuals they claim carried out the 9-11 attacks 
is just utter libel and fraud. Uh, and I really urge people to read Elias's books. He also wrote, well, he wrote two books on 9-11, Hijacking America's Mind on 9-11 and America's Betrayal Confirmed. And then he also wrote The Betrayal of India about the Mumbai false flag, also carried out by the CIA. The main organizer, Desmond Headley, is admitted to be a CIA and U.S. defense agent. Uh, he also wrote a book called The London Transport Bombings of July 2005, an unsolved crime about the 7-7 false flag. So Elias was all over the biggest false flags of our time, he published a number of books, also some titles in German. Yeah, he was a, a great guy. He was he's, he was of Jewish heritage, born in occupied Palestine, left because he didn't really believe in the genocide there and ended up living in Iceland and Germany. And he, you know, he could be a prickly personality. He had, you know, differences with people like Gilad Atzman. But yeah, I think he was basically a really good guy and a good researcher and somebody whose books will be read for a long time. Well, did he die of natural causes, given that he was very critical of the establishment, or was this uh, simply old age? Well, nobody has suggested any unnatural causes, and since he lived long enough to write all those books, I doubt that they would bother messing with him at this point. He was yeah. well into his 80s, too. Uh, of course, I'm, you know, we're all getting older, aren't we, Mike? And so now yeah. we're, we're all reaching the ages where anybody could do anything to us and say, say it was old age. You know, they drop a boulder on our head from a helicopter and say, uh, well, he died of old age under that boulder. Uh, hopefully that won't happen to either of us or anyone else. But, uh, anyway, shout out to Elias, uh, a really important historical figure. Hopefully he'll be recognized somewhere down the line. And that will happen when the evil empire is finally defeated. And the evil empire's defeat is getting a little closer all the time. Uh, the NATO war of aggression against Russia in Ukraine is not going too well for the aggressors. And uh, some PR mistakes, of course, they're all covered up by the Western media. But <laughs> this week, big PR mistake was uh, Zelensky, the uh, piano-playing cocaine addict, uh, boy toy of Kolomoisky, the biggest criminal oligarch on earth, and certainly in Ukraine, uh, was caught <laughs> tweeting out uh, on, on Victory Day, right, the day uh, celebrating victory over the Nazis in World War II. He tweeted out an image of a Ukrainian soldier wearing a death's head patch of the Nazi Waffen SS Unit 3rd Panzer Division, uh, which was implicated in many World War II war crimes, including massacres of French civilians and Polish Jews. So these are the people that uh, Zelensky thinks that should be honored and revered as we cheer for the Ukro-Nazis in Avastol. Uh, I would think that would be a PR mistake, <laughs> wouldn't you, Mike? Well, you'd think the media would pick up on it, but uh, they don't. And in fact, I was talking to a Polish-American yesterday uh, who grew up in Poland uh, under the communist government and the uh, uh, the control of this old Soviet Union. And he said that these Nazis that they've got in the Ukraine, they're not neo-Nazis. They are honest to God Nazis. They're descendants uh, from Stefan Bandera, uh, who fought with the Nazis during the war. And uh, he says that he is... Uh, amused and horrified at the same time at all the people running around waving Ukrainian flags in the Washington, D.C. area. Yeah, they might as well put swastikas on those flags, sort of like in my tweet. Mm. Uh, and so what we're seeing here is, according to uh, this uh, C.J. Hopkins character and one of my fellow satirists operating in the alternative infosphere, that we're seeing the rise of the new normal right. It's now it's new normal to support Nazis. 
uh, as you know, everybody's cheering for Zelensky as he tweets out <laughs> Nazi tweets. And it's tied into the COVID Reich. It does seem that the people who bought into the COVID propaganda are also buying into the Ukraine propaganda. And uh, C.J. Hopkins writes, quote, I have to admit that watching my liberal friends and colleagues go goo-goo for actual swastika-tattooed sig-heiling Nazis has rattled my nerves a little. Okay, I'm sorry. We're not allowed to call them Nazis. I believe defenders is the term du jour. Uh, so I, I think Hopkins gets that exactly right, as, as often he does. It was a great article. I loved it. Yeah, he's, he's a fun writer. It's, uh, you know, there are only a handful of us who are stupid or crazy enough to think that we can try to write satire that's as absurd as the daily reality we witness in the headlines. Uh, but it's a dirty job. Somebody's got to do it. I'm glad that C.J. Hopkins is holding up his end. Okay, moving on to more neo-Nazi news. The Ukro-Nazi uh, occupiers of the Avastol factory in Mariupol, who've been holed up there and are gradually getting flushed out by Russians, uh, they've been holding human shields the entire time, civilians. They've got civilians down there that they uh, either trick or force into staying there so that the Russians can't flush everybody out. And Der Spiegel, this big mainstream, biggest mainstream German outlet, uh, put up a video and then soon removed it with, of an interview with one of these human shields. This was a, a woman whose family was lied to and held hostage and used as human shields by the Nazi Azov Brigade, the heroes of Mariupol that all of the Western mainstream media is telling us would be, we should all be cheering and sig heiling. And they're holding these civilians as human shields, uh, as, it looks like most of the civilians have finally managed to get out. The Russians opened up humanitarian corridors instantly and said, get out, get those civilians out so we can have, a, ha, so we can fight it out. And the Nazis, of course, said, no way, <laughs> we're holding them. But it looks like most of them are out now. But isn't that crazy, Mike, how the, the Western mainstream media is, is covering for the Nazi war crimes to this extent? Well, I don't think so, because that's their way of life in, in twisting information. I, I vaguely recall... Uh, people in the American news media and the American government screaming about uh, Saddam Hussein using human shields in Iraq and uh, the, Ash the Assad family using human shields in Syria uh, and uh, Muammar Gaddafi using human shields in Libya. So I, I think it uh, depends on whose side of the, uh, the fence you're talking about here, uh, whether you're uh, uh, relying on American manufactured propaganda to show that the Russians are collapsing and the country is uh, uh, won't last more than five more minutes, or whether you were looking at reality from a, a neutral standpoint and, and remembering the past, not just what happened five minutes ago. It does depend on whose ox is being gored. Uh, <laughs> and uh, speaking of oxes being gored, um, how, how about the Russian Orthodox Church ox being gored by Pussy Riot? That's right. Pussy Riot is this, they call themselves a punk band, but they don't play any instruments and they can't perform any music. You know, they can't even sing on key, but they're basically a bunch of female hooligans who have targeted the Russian Orthodox Church for repeated acts of attack and desecration. And they were arrested for some of their crimes, including... Uh, desecrating and causing you know, disturbance or pussy riots in the biggest cathedral in Moscow. And according to the polls, 78% of Russians, and this is, these are Western reported and accepted figures, by the way, not Russian ones. 78% of Russians in September 2012 believed that they deserved their two year prison sentence. And they were dismayed that they were released early. Only 2% 
said that Pussy Riot should not have been imprisoned. And and of the 75% that said they should have, uh, many of them argued that the punishment was too light. So the vast majority of Russian people are not on board with this. And, and one of the big issues that Pussy Riot is constantly pushing is opposing, you know, desecrating churches because they don't like the church-supported laws banning homosexual propaganda. They are pushing homosexual propaganda throughout Russia. Uh, and the Russians don't like it. And so now uh, this Pussy Riot band leader has emigrated, or shall we say sneaked out of Russia, disguised as what was she disguised as a messenger or something, a food courier. So she sneaked out of Russia carrying a pizza uh, that was supposedly to be delivered to, to Zelensky uh, over in Ukraine. And the Russians let her out. And the, and the Russian people said, good riddance. Well, was the pizza kosher? Uh, <laughs> Undoubtedly. And you got to notice that the Pussy Riot people are not fat, ugly, and dumpy, uh, and uh, they all have uh, good makeup. And are you telling point. me that you're attracted to Pussy Riot, Mike? No, but I, I, I want to point out that uh, they're not representative, I think, of the uh, the Russian people, and they uh, made are a Are you saying point. the Russian people are dumpy? <laughs> Some of them are. Some of the old babushkas. Oh, come on. Oh, We've we got enough anti-Russian propaganda in the mainstream. We don't need your anti-Russian, anti-Russian woman <laughs> propaganda. Russian women are nice. I, I, my friend John's wife is, is a very nice Russian woman. Well, when I was in Moscow, uh, I, I swear to God, I would need a stepladder to look them in the chin, but they were drop dead gorgeous and wore jeans low enough that you could see their appendicitis scars. <laughs> oh man. Uh, this is, this is, this is sexist, politically incorrect, and it's Russophobic <laughs> propaganda. I'm shocked at you, Mike. Uh, but seriously, folks, Pussy Riot, um, yeah, let them come to America where actually, you know, even though, you know, their, their extreme, uh, vulgarity and stuff would fit right in in Hollywood. So I think they have a great future, uh, outside well, Nancy of Nancy Pelosi would love them too. There you go. Yeah. Maybe they, they can sing with Nancy. They can go desecrate Washington's National <laughs> Cathedral. Although that's hardly even worth desecrating. Anyway, yeah. let's move on to the Eucrobucks category. Big money in Ukraine. That's follow the money. That's always the story, isn't it? Well, uh, this week, Biden demanded 33 billion taxpayer dollars for Ukraine at a time when suddenly people's money can't keep up with inflation. But let's throw more billions at Ukraine. And then Congress raised it up the ante to 40 billion. And guess who is supporting that? The left-wing squad. They all support it. What happened to the anti-war left movement? This is completely insane. And here, as uh, Glenn Greenwald points out, it's difficult, difficult to put into context how enormous these expenditures are since the war is only 10 weeks old and the U.S. officials predict and hope that the war will last for years. Uh, the total amount spent by the U.S. on the Russia-Ukraine war in less than three months is close to Russia's total military budget for the entire year, which is $65.9 billion. Uh, this is completely nuts. Well, the U.S. spends more on its uh, armed forces than any other country in the world, and probably more than the next 12 countries combined. Right. So, so, so the U.S. has already basically given Ukraine the entire annual Russian military budget, and, and we're just getting started. So... What are we going to do, like wad up the dollar bills and light them and turn them into like little dollar Molotov cocktails, dump, you know, dip them in some gasoline and throw them at the Russians? 
I mean, that's pretty much what it's boiling down to, isn't it? I mean, we're really seeing that the American military dollars uh, don't go as far as the Pentagon people imagine. They go pretty far for buying big houses with swimming pools for Mm -hmm. ex-Pentagon people in the military-industrial complex. But as far as actually building stuff that can win wars, I'm not so sure that remains to be seen. Well, I put up a post on Facebook the other day from the Babylon Bee of a a child in uh, camouflage fatigues with uh, camouflage paint on his face saying he wanted to be Ukrainian soldier and get some of this $40 billion because there was no baby food available in the United States. Yeah, it's kind of reaching that point, isn't it? I don't know if the kid over in Ukraine, though, is going to be getting the baby food. I think it's it's more like, you know, the Kolomoisky-type oligarchs are going to be carrying off barrels and barrels stuffed with $100 bills. That's where our military money is really going. And it's going also to people like Zelensky, uh, who is estimated, I've seen estimates even higher than this, but uh, this Dutch political party is demanding that he account for $850 million worth of personal wealth. His earnings have recently jumped up to $100 million a month, says Ilya Kiva, who's a Ukrainian opposition lawmaker who has not yet been disappeared and tortured, or at least not last we heard from her. Uh, and Kolomoisky, this Ukrainian oligarch who owns Zelensky, um, has been accused of stealing $5.5 billion from Private Bank, which is Ukraine's largest commercial lender, and stuffing it offshore into his anonymous bank accounts in places like the Cayman Islands. So Ukraine is ruled by the most blatant criminals uh, of, of any country. I mean, I'm not saying other countries aren't, but, but I mean, they're just, they're even more extreme about it. And here we are throwing even more money at these criminals. It's criminal. Well, if I understand what you're saying properly, Zelensky did not make all this money by playing the piano on the air with his penis. Well, his Jerry Lee Lewis imitation uh, as he burned down pianos while uh, humping them, I suppose, earned him something. It certainly earned him some attention, and that's the attention economy is where it's at on the Internet these days. So I'm sure a huge number of people have had ads fed to them as they watch these videos of Zelensky playing piano with his member. And that's all good. I mean, you know, hey, this is the Internet, right? Anything for attention. But still, $100 million a month, that seems a little high for uh, for that style of piano playing. But, you know, I'm not a musician, so what do I know? Do you think maybe when he finally goes into exile in the United States, he'll take his money with him and, and buy a mansion in, in Beverly Hills? I, I would guess maybe Miami. So mm. my money is on Miami. Yours is on Beverly Hills. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> and, uh, we'll, we'll hash that out on a future episode of False Flag Weekly News. So speaking of, of money in Ukraine, how about the gas issue? A lot of the economic aspect of this war is really about gas pipelines. And this week, there was a huge move as Ukraine cut off the gas through the pipeline from Russia to Europe, still going through Ukraine, right? So Ukraine is still uh, you know, doing this deal with Russia where they get a cut of the money as Europe pays Russia a pittance, a very low price for cheap Russian gas, which is, of course, now being cut off uh, so that you, the Europeans will have to buy very, very expensive U.S. liquid natural gas. And so now Ukraine is claiming that they're they're falling, saying there's a force majeure uh, reason why they have to cut off the Sak, uh, Sakranivka uh, pipeline route. And then Russia says, no, there isn't. <laughs> so... We'll see whether Europe starts uh, shivering in the dark sooner rather than later. What do you think, Mike? Well, I think that was a remarkably strangely written article uh, Reuters had there. I mean, the headline says uh, gas is not going into Europe. 
then you, you struggle through their convoluted logic and somehow it seems to be going through, but in a different direction, which absolutely makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, certainly the Russians have turned off uh, the uh, Finnish uh, supply of electricity, cutting it back some 10%. So I, I think they're going to uh, pay the price slowly but surely. Yeah, it is. It's complicated. It's hard to tell really, you know, which how much gas is actually going through which pipelines and then what's going to happen tomorrow and next week. And I'm sure there's a kind of a 3D chess game going on there because this is an economic war and it's it's about pipelines like so many wars are. Right. Afghanistan was about the pipeline that the Unical pipeline that they tried to push on the Taliban. The Taliban got a better deal from Bridas, the Argentine company. And so the Americans threatened, you know, said, either take our offer, you get a carpet of gold, or we're going to bury you under a carpet of bombs. The Taliban said, go get stuff. This was in July 2001. A couple months later, 9-11 hits, and the next thing you know, they're going into Afghanistan, planning to take it over and build that pipeline. Well, the pipeline never got built because of the brave Afghan resistance, and a similar pipeline issues have been central to other wars, uh, including the Mideast wars, Syria, Iraq, and so on. So... There's there's a whole pipeline war thing going on there, and we should uh, keep our eyes on that. So far, I'm not convinced that Russia is losing, not only militarily, but in this larger economic war. And, you know, the, the money numbers don't lie, right? The mainstream media can brainwash ordinary folks to believe whatever and to put little Ukrainian flags as their uh, social media icons. But the market knows what's really happening. And the market says the Russian ruble is up. It's way up. It's the world's best performing currency. Uh, back on March 26th, Biden said, as a result of our unprecedented sanctions, the ruble was almost immediately reduced to rubble. Well, the rubble ruble is now up 11% against the dollar since the start of the year. World's best performing currency. The Russians haven't even had to stick the gold peg into it because it's doing so well even without it. But the gold peg is right there, ready to go. So the U.S., meanwhile, is suffering under record inflation, which means that it takes more dollars to buy less stuff, which means the, doc, the dollar is going down the tubes. Well, that doesn't Putin, look to me like Russia's losing. No, that's Putin's idea that uh, we need to do something about the American almighty dollar uh, that is used as the, the gold standard for buying and selling anything in the world from baby food to uh, gallons of oil. And I, I think they've been very, very patient in dealing with the Europeans uh, and letting them have gas, letting them have electricity. And I, I think sooner or later, he's going to start putting the squeeze on them, saying, well, you steal our gold uh, reserves that are in your banks. Uh, you refuse to uh, buy and sell uh, Russian goods. Uh, you try to block us on travel and uh, flying of our airlines, et cetera. And I, I think they I'm surprised how remarkably patient they are. And they haven't struck back. Uh, quite as hard as as I would like to do, see them do. Right. You know, some people, in, including our, our producer here, Alan, thinks that we're a little one-sided on this Ukraine war analysis. And yeah, he's right. We are. But I'm just siding with the truth as I see it. Yeah. And the truth here is reflected in the performance of the ruble. Now, if you look, read the mainstream media, you're going to hear over and over and over, uh, Russia is losing. Russia is committing horrific war crimes. Russia is losing. Russia, they switch back and forth sort of depending on, uh, you know, which moment, you know, what's happened in the last couple of days. And so let's, let's look at a couple of these mainstream media propaganda stories. Uh, first one, uh, from there, actually these are both from Newsweek, which is of course a notorious U.S. intelligence connected outfit. Uh, Russia is supposedly counting killed soldiers as missing to hide their losses. 
well, maybe that's true. I don't know. But the, the, the BS Vietnam style body counts cited in this article do not give me confidence in the factual orientation of the authors. These people writing this article are claiming that uh, you, that Russia has lost between 7,000 and 23,000 soldiers, the 23,000 they're taking from Zelensky himself, mm. versus Ukraine having lost only 3,000. Well, a more uh, real-world uh, fact-oriented analyst and professional, Scott Ritter, says, no, it's seven to one the other way. There have been seven Ukrainians killed for every one Russian killed. And I'm pretty sure that Ritter's estimate is a lot closer to reality than these Newsweek estimates. And Larry Johnson, another uh, very qualified American military professional, writes that we know that, in fact, Russia is winning because just the other day, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin called Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigo to beg for a ceasefire. Now, if Russia was losing, it would be the Russian defense minister who would be calling the American defense minister to beg for a ceasefire. But no, it was the other way around. Austin placed the call and uh, demanded the ceasefire and was told to go get stuff. And the reason for that is the Russians are doing exactly what they need to do, making that slow progress, taking back the Donbass region and presumably the Black Sea coast as well, which is their actual goal. So. Uh, I, I don't buy this Newsweek article. What do you think? Well, uh, Bob Perry, the late journalist, used to work for Newsweek until they fired him. And in one of his books, he'd written an account of a meeting of uh, the uh, high-level officials at Newsweek uh, wanting to uh, modify and change the focus and the slant of several articles uh, that made the American government and the, the American armed forces look bad. And uh, Paris said, well, why don't we tell the truth? And the response from the top came back down and said, well, if we did that, uh, we would alienate the American government and we wouldn't have any more contacts to feed us news. And our advertisers, for which we depend on uh, money to run the magazine, uh, would break off from us because we criticized uh, the government, which buys their weapons and uh, other items uh, of value. Uh, so we're going to uh, change and slant the news to suit the, um, the needs and the wishes of uh, our major contacts and not the interests of the, the readership. And so that would explain the uh, torrent of propaganda we're seeing from Newsweek and similar outlets. Uh, another Newsweek propaganda story this week was uh, headlined, Russia heading for defeat in Ukraine, former Chinese ambassador. Now, this story looks factually accurate. Uh, Gao Yusheng, who is a Central Asia specialist who served two years as an ambassador to Ukraine between 2005 and 2007, but now no longer holds any position of influence in Beijing, uh, supposedly uh, said this at a conference. And maybe he did, but what really is striking about this to me, Mike, is that of all of the, what, billion, almost billion and a half people in China uh, they had to dig this deep to find somebody who no longer holds any position of influence who's saying this. That's so of well over a billion people in China. There's one guy saying this, and there are probably uh, thousands, if not millions, saying the opposite. So finding one guy in China to say this is really not very impressive, especially considering that he's no longer uh, remotely important. What do you think? Well, I think that's because he's no longer important and he's a former Chinese ambassador because he didn't have the right stuff to get the job done. 
and he wants his name around the world and hopefully get some of the money that's flowing to Zelensky uh, by uh, parroting the uh, the American government's line that uh, Russia is collapsing and uh, uh, the Yugo Nazis are, are winning hands down. That's true. There could always be money involved. Uh, who knows? But in any case, this, this is just an example of how we really need to read these news stories with our eyes open. Uh, the mainstream stories right now are very much equivalent to the mainstream stories about 9-11 in the aftermath of 9-11 when there was one party line and anybody who differed with the party line was uh, suppressed uh, or you know, put a flaming tire around their necks, as Dan Rather put it. And the same thing is happening now. So it's only in the sphere of genuinely alternative analysts where you find people questioning this line coming out of the mainstream. And uh, what I found, I can't find a single analyst that I, I truly respect who is anywhere near this mainstream sort of pro-Ukraine line. Uh, not one. I mean, of all of these people that I've been following over the past 15 plus years uh, around the 9-11 wars and uh, world geopolitics, every single decent analyst sides with Russia on this. Every single one. The only semi-exception is Tarpley, who I respected up through about 2010 until he went off the rails. But he's been off the rails for over a decade now. So please, if anybody out there, including our producer, Alan, could possibly find a single decent, independent, and capable, qualified analyst who knows world affairs and has been speaking out bravely uh from a truth perspective about 9-11 and related issues, preferably uh, for during the past couple of decades. And they're send me whatever they're saying about Ukraine. That's defending the party line that's defending Ukraine's position. Cause I can't find a single example of that anywhere on the entire internet. So please find me one. <laughs> I would well, love to read well, it and we'll talk about it on the show. Well, but it's, it's their uh, game plan. Uh, you only have one source of information, the government source and it's, it's running dogs. And if you try to go to the alternative media, you find that uh, Facebook will send you to jail. Twitter won't let you send uh, cartoons of Uncle Adolf uh, to Germany. Uh, so you've got to really dig for it. And unfortunately, the American people are not terribly educated and uh, are uh, uh, not terribly uh, brilliant either. They, they believe all this stuff and don't want to go looking for alternatives because that will change their uh, their viewpoint and their their social standing, their social situation, and what their friends think of them. All right. But, but again, it's, it's interesting that essentially it's it's just unanimous among all well-informed independent observers that Russia is right in this thing. It's just, I, I can't find a single exception. You know, anybody who's even making excuses or, you know, qualifying their words by saying, oh, the horrible Russian invasion or the, you know, the barbaric or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. people like Noam Chomsky are, they're all, shills like Chomsky is. I mean, yeah. everybody who says that is a shill. Amy Goodman, Noam Chomsky, these people who are enemies of 9-11 truth, enemies of the truth in general, scumbag liars whose job is to suck in the unwary uh, people who are sort of paying attention, but not really paying attention. Those people uh, are the only ones. They're, they're the fakes and the phonies and the shills. Find me one real, decent, qualified, knowledgeable, independent analyst who doesn't support Russia on this and uh, we will talk about it on this show, and I will keel over from uh, from shock if we find one. Okay, moving on to the war criminals category of the show. Uh, the U.S. Department of Defense uh, has apparently been developing bioweapons and studying antibodies to specific diseases in populations in specific regions in Ukraine uh, by way of their partnerships with the COVID criminal companies. 
Uh, and there's some German and Polish bioweapons programs in Ukraine, too. The U.S. military programs were studying cholera, tularemia, uh, tularemia plague, and hantaviruses, all bioweapons that have absolutely no application whatsoever to normal public health issues in Ukraine or really anywhere else, or very few places anyway. Uh, and they got caught, uh, some, according to the, these documents at least, uh, which of course are being released by the Russians. So some of this, you know, may or may not be accurate, but according to this information, uh, they were caught putting out flyers in the form of counterfeit currency notes infected with antibiotic resistant tuberculosis and distributed to miners in the Sepvo village, studying if, uh, antibiotic resistant tuberculosis, uh, could be spread and how fast it would spread. So if this is indeed true, uh, there are some some war criminals still on the loose that need to be prosecuted. Well, this doesn't just come from the Russian Ministry of Defense. I've seen it in Robert F. Kennedy's book, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci. Uh, I've seen it in the uh, the book that is COVID-19, uh, a bioweapon. Is, is it, was it Richard uh, Fielding or Fleming? I, I, I'm fumbling with his name at the moment. Uh, but they make it pretty clear how much money went to uh, support uh, bioweapons research. Uh, and even uh, Jen Psaki, who had been the uh, the mouthpiece for the Biden White House, uh, there's a section of the CIA called INRB, Bureau of Intelligence and Research B, which looks for biographic information and health information on foreign leaders. So I, I think if you're looking for information about their health, you're looking for information about how we can destabilize their health. So... When the U.S. went halfway around the world to destroy Iraq, uh, claiming that there was WMD there, which turned out not to be true, uh, that was a totally bogus pretext. But when Russia went into Ukraine, partly on the excuse that there was a U.S. bioweapon program there that could be threatening Russia, uh, it looks like they were absolutely right. So, again, the, the war criminals in our bioweapon sector, and we'll be talking about how many people they killed with COVID, uh, really need to be tried, convicted, and hanged. And speaking of war criminals who need to suffer that fate, how about the people who uh, murdered uh, a leading Palestinian-American journalist, Shireen Abu Akhla, who was shot in the face by an Israeli sniper, and the Israelis lied bald-faced for several days, claiming, no, we think it was really probably the Palestinians that did it, before finally admitting that, no, they did it, but they won't tell us who did it. And undoubtedly, the murderer will not suffer very serious consequences. And then, after murdering her, the Israeli forces attacked the funeral. The Apparently, they, they don't like the Palestinians carrying coffins through the streets, which is the Palestinian religious custom. And so, you can watch the video of about 10 uh, maybe a dozen Palestinians carrying this coffin through the street, being attacked by a huge squad of uniformed Israeli thugs, uh, beating them, kicking them, uh, beating them with sticks, uh, maybe trying to knock them down and, and, uh, spill the coffin, uh, so her body would spill out on the street. This is just bizarre. And this is all being paid for by our American tax dollars, just like the Yuko Nazi war mm-hmm. is being paid for by our tax dollars. When are Americans going to get tired of this, Mike? They're not going to do it. They, uh, the Israelis control the American news media, and they feed out the line that uh, you know the, these uh, outrageous Palestinians are uh, disturbing the status quo and the peaceful existence that they have in Israel, uh, which essentially is a uh, apartheid entity and uh, is entirely illegitimate. Uh, the American news media does not emphasize that uh, Shireen Abu Akhla was an American citizen, 
uh, and that uh, she was a Christian and they were trying to take her to a Christian funeral in a Christian church uh, and bury her in a Christian cemetery. Uh, so uh, the, uh, the Israelis are still pushing the line that uh, Muslims are fanatics, Muslims are dangerous, anybody in uh, in the Arab world is a dirty Muslim. Uh, so it's, it's disgusting. Uh, my Arabic teacher I was talking to this morning said that uh, he can only read so much of this stuff because it upsets him too much. Uh, and he uh, he's, he's here now, uh, but uh, he knows full well exactly what's going on. He, he has relatives there. He knows people there. He goes back for a visit periodically. Uh, so it's uh, it's disgusting the way they treat this. They don't treat them as human beings. They treat them as subhuman animals, just like the Nazis did with the Jews. I would imagine the Jews got their training from the Nazis. Right. And, you know, there are those who would say that's a, an insult to the Nazis. I'm, I, I yeah. get pushed back all the time yeah. from people who seem to think the Nazis are basically good guys. And I shouldn't see anything pejorative about the word Nazi. Well, I'm sorry, I beg to differ. I think there were problems with the Nazis. I agree that World War II involved horrific war crimes on all sides. And I'm not sure the German side was actually any worse than the others. But that's another discussion. That doesn't mean that I approve of or find the Nazi movement defensible. I mean, come on, people. Uh, there isn't there room for nuance in these analyses? Apparently not. Uh, speaking of nuance, okay, so we're told that Russia is supposedly waging a war of, inv- of aggression in invading Ukraine. Meanwhile, American tax dollars are supporting Saudi Arabia's war of aggression, a clear war of aggression against Yemen. The Saudis, even if they're not planning to annex more than half of Yemen, as this news article claims that they are, uh, are obviously conquering it, and they're going to. It's going to be de facto Saudi territory, whether or not they formally annex it. This is a war of conquest against Yemen, and the Wall Street Journal just reported this that uh, that the Saudi leadership forced uh, Hadi, the uh, former bogus uh, Saudi-appointed figurehead, so-called president of Yemen, to resign, and a council, transitional council. Uh, which is essentially just run by the Saudis, has replaced him. And they did this in the wake of a secret meeting that Hadi had with a senior U.S. official. So again, the Americans are pulling the strings. The United States is essentially invading Yemen by way of Saudi proxies. Our tax dollars at work, once again, and all we hear about is how evil Russia is Mm -hmm. for wanting to shut down a biological and nuclear threat uh, run by a blatant aggressor. Uh, in Ukraine. It's just outrageous. Well, Yemen used to be the poorest Arab country in the world. Now I think it's probably the poorest country in the world, period. Uh, Half the country is short of food, uh, short of medical care. Uh, Diseases that almost don't exist in the West are running riot in in Yemen, like like cholera. Uh, The Saudis uh, bomb uh, funeral possessions, wedding uh, processions, School buses full of children, and uh, we don't hear any word from our great leader, but Nugget Biden, about this. He just wants to sell defensive weapons to the Saudis, and I'm not sure what a defensive weapon is. So I, I think it's an outrage, and the United States loves to divide countries, Vietnam, Germany, Yemen, you name it. Yeah, well, I don't think these these bombers, these Saudi uh, bombers that are run by U.S. technicians and targeted and all of that, uh, are exactly defensive. They're dropping these bombs, as you said, on Yemeni civilians, of whom there are now nearly 400,000 that have been killed in this war, to virtual silence from the Western media. The same Western media that's propagandizing you about Ukraine every single day. 
Oh, well, moving on to another possible war criminal story. Is Elon Musk a war criminal? I mean, we, we actually supported Elon Musk on the Twitter free speech thing, but it looks like his Starlink satellites, which I saw a whole bunch of those things rising up into the sky a while back and wondered whether it was a UFO attack. These, these satellites that he's littering space with are apparently supplying Starlink uh, internet terminals to neo-Nazi militants in Ukraine. So they're, they're linked up to his satellites and this could, these satellites could interact with drones and use big data and facial recognition and, uh, take part in these military operations against Russia. So somebody tweeted that and Musk responded saying that if he died under mysterious circumstances, it's been nice knowing you. Now, I think he was probably being ironic or sarcastic because I'm not impervious the way the Germans are, but still, uh, Elon Musk, uh, is, is he actually a front for the empire's military industrial complex? Uh, say it ain't so Elon. Oh, I can't say it ain't so. I, I think it's too much money to be made in doing that. And obviously he's being paid by the Yuki Nazis and by, uh, but Nugget Biden's uh, gang of neo-Nazis here in the States, or I shouldn't say neo-Nazis, neocons in the United States. That's actually worse. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, let's, let's move on to the domestic terrorism. We spent enough time on, uh, horrors and hellacious, hideous happenings elsewhere in the world coming back home. Oh, Close to home here. I'm pretty close to Madison, Wisconsin, where there was a terrorist firebombing on Mother's Day. Now, what terrorist group <laughs> conducts bombings on Mother's Day? Well, it turned out that these were your usual sort of Antifa types, apparently, who went after the pro-life advocacy, advocacy group, the Wisconsin Family Action Office, outside of Madison in the wee hours on Mother's Day. And then they spray painted on the wall, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either, which is, of course, a, a threat to inflict grievous bodily injury or death on the people who work for this political lobby group. So obviously, uh, if Muslims had done something like this, yeah. against like an Israeli outfit, uh, we would hear no end of it. But oh, and, exactly. and the authorities would track them down and, and hold them responsible and send them to Guantanamo. But I don't think that's going to happen to these Antifa perpetrators. What do you think? No, I don't think so. They uh, It amazes me uh, about these pro and anti-abortion characters. I don't know that anybody has a knife held to his throat or her throat, I guess. Uh, although uh, there is an ad campaign out now for pregnant men. Uh, but uh, generally, you're probably not getting a lot of responses. <laughs> hey, man, if you're pregnant, please call this number. We want to enroll you in a study. <laughs> uh, I, I put it up on Facebook today. I, I copied it, and somebody else put it up. Um, but the uh, you know, you're, no, you're not threatened with death to have an abortion. You choose to have one or not have one. Uh, but they get hysterical about this and ignore the fact that uh, the U.S. is bombing or helping the Saudis bomb Yemen. Uh, the U.S. destroyed Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Libya, Yugoslavia, uh, trying to do it to Iran, uh, inflicting, you know, hundreds of millions of casualties all over the world. And that doesn't bother them. But uh, the life of one fetus is, is apparently an earth-shaking event. And uh, if you have the wrong opinion, you deserve death. And that's, I think, a bit much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the people bombing uh, places on both sides probably. Well, I, I can kind of understand the other side a little bit better, though, just because, the you know, from their perspective, they see there's no difference in murdering a baby, whether it was born or not yet born. So, you know, from their point of view, it this is like a mass murder wave, millions of murders of innocent babies every year. So I can see why they would get, like, more upset, emotionally upset, than people on the other side, where it's only dealing with the right to you know, determinate pregnancy or kill a baby that hasn't been born yet or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, maybe that's just me. Anyway, in the next slide, we see 
that speaking of culture wars uh, down in Florida, the big culture <laughs> war state where DeSantis is going up against Disney, uh, the latest scoop here is that Disney is paying for employee abortions and child sex change operations, which in some folks were saying, wow, what a great benefits program. I can't wait to move to Orlando and work for Disney so I can get paid to sire a bunch of unborn children, kill them before they're born, and then let a few get born and sexually mutilate those ones. A uh, great place to start a family. Disney, family values. Uh, Disney isn't quite the same company it was when I was a kid. No, no, I mean, it's, it's not uh, uh, Mickey Mouse and, uh, and Donald Duck and the rest of that. I mean, this is uh, sex change operations is outrageous. That's child abuse. And uh, you ought to go there for the uh, the parents and the uh, politicians and the companies and the um, uh, the societies that support this kind of nonsense. It's outrageous. Uh, and anybody who dares criticize uh, uh sex change operations for children under the age of uh, uh, legal uh, consent uh, somehow uh, is, uh, is is a right thing. And anybody who challenges it is a horrible person. And it takes completely away the rights of the parents over their children. Yeah, I mean, Russia banning propaganda for all this kind of insanity um, just makes obvious sense to me. I mean, if I were young and thinking of starting a family, I wouldn't do it in the United States anymore because of this. Uh, Whereas I would be happy to in a place like Russia, where mm. people are still sane. Anyway, moving on to Switzerland, the Great Reset uh, is moving forward as 90% of the nations of the world are planning central bank digital currency. First, it was a response to COVID. Then they said it could help fight climate change. And now it's a response to the war in Ukraine. Any excuse will do. And what these central bank digital currencies are as uh, the central bank, the state, or the corporation issues the money as wages, and then they get to control how it's spent. So if they don't like you donating to False Flag Weekly News, the money itself will prevent you from donating. Hmm. I, I don't know if people should be having that kind of... I think all money should be available to be donated to False Flag Weekly News. What do you think, Mike? Exactly. I mean, you can do with your own money what you want. You can pay cash on the barrelhead, uh, but this looks... Far too much like governmental control, governmental operation, and, and uh, uh, intelligence, uh, learning where you are, what you're doing with your money, and uh, they can turn it off just like PayPal does uh, for organizations it doesn't like. Uh, and it gets, uh, gets us a little bit too closer to the Chinese uh, situation where I had a woman who spent a couple of years there tell me that, uh, well, if you jaywalk, you're docked so many points in your currency uh, because it's all computerized and it's all tied to your cell phone. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you can be rewarded for things that are seen of, of social value and you can be docked money and be controlled and blocked from things uh, uh, such as travel if uh, you do uh, are caught doing things that the government decides it doesn't like. But just think of the possibilities here, Mike. Like if I could convert enough Americans to Islam and get myself, you know, have an Islamic revolution, and I could become the supreme leader, then I could make sure that all American dollars would be issued in such a way that if you pull a dollar bill out of your wallet and try to pay for a beer at the, your local bar, George Washington blinks as you pull it out, of, and he says, don't do that, you can't, you can't buy a beer, uh, that's haram. <laughs> uh, so I, I suppose there, there could be halal uses for central bank yeah. digital currency. I'm yeah. just kidding. Uh, moving on to the crypto bubble. Uh, it burst this week. Uh, uh, Bitcoin was up to 68,000 a coin in November. It's now down to 28,000. And these other digital coins, or rather these these uh, crypto coins, are also dropping. And meanwhile, in the next slide, uh, the reaction is that Coinbase 
will hang on to your Bitcoin balances if they go bankrupt. So your Bitcoins aren't yours if you've got them through Coinbase. You might want to consider having your Bitcoins in uh, one of those private wallets rather than Coinbase. Uh, I don't know. It's not that I have enough Bitcoins to have to worry about it. But the people who do are right now looking at maybe a continued decline or maybe not. Maybe it'll bounce back and go higher than ever. What do you think? Well, I think this is worse than the stock market. That at least is based on a little bit of reality where you own shares in a company, something that really exists and something that you really hold in your hand if you you choose to. Uh, And uh, even uh, governmental currencies, granted that they play games with inflation and things like this, but it's it's real money, not fantasy money. Uh, And I I know people in the West Coast who are uh, brilliant computer experts uh, and chose to take their pay not in real money, but in, in, in Bitcoin or something similar. And uh, I wouldn't want to risk my future income and my ability to, to buy beer at the, the corner grocery store. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it is not halal. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you know, you, you can uh, just be wiped out of existence with the flake of a computer switch. That, that scares me. It's completely insane. Yeah, this uh, all of this new funny money. I, I, I'm actually an old-fashioned uh, commodity currency guy. It seems to me that currency ought to be backed by something. But, hey, what do I know? Anyway, so all of these broke Bay Area Bitcoin billionaires are now having to move out of their foreclosed mansions and into 50-square-foot pods. <laughs> well, actually, these pods are pretty roomy, at least compared to a coffin, which is really about all I could afford in, in the Bay Area. I'm not even sure I could afford that. <laughs> they have a cemetery out in Colma where I understand you can get a really nice uh, coffin uh, six feet long, a foot and a half, two feet wide uh, for some. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's going to cost you a pretty penny. But anyway, frankly, I think I'd prefer a coffin to living in one of these pods. How, how about you, J. Mike? Yeah, no, that's kind of scary. I mean, uh, it's bad enough that it's small and cramped and about big enough for you in a bed and, and maybe a teddy bear. Uh, but, you know, who's there with you in the next? Uh, if you have a, a small teddy bear. Yeah, Exactly. Who's in the next compartment? What are they doing? Uh, is there any common area in the house where you can not eating beans. stretch out and, and, and read a book and, and not be crunched up and, and wake up uh, and needing a chiropractor to get out of bed in the morning? I mean, I, I, I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, if, if people are actually flocking to, ro- to rent these cubicles for 800 a month, you know, that just tells me that the younger generation, obviously these would be younger people, must have really been conditioned to be something different from the human that I remember. Uh, I, I'm thinking to an old fogey, I guess, uh, you know, scolding a lot of the young people. There are a lot of really awake and aware young people, including some watching this show, so I shouldn't lump them all. But the fact that they can get away with this and actually make money renting out these pods for 800 a month is a really bad sign. And speaking of apocalyptic bad signs, how about the age of superstorms is coming we had, well, this, this story though, again, Newsweek, once again, uh, <laughs> I don't know why we got all these Newsweek propaganda stories, but th- this one, uh, didn't report on anything that happened recently. What it starts out with is the 3.5 inches of rain that fell in one hour in New York City last September, which of course forced the New York Yankees to quickly cancel their game and switch to water polo. <laughs> Seriously, it did actually, it killed a few people in basement floods and that, event from last September becomes the peg to hang this story on about how global warming is going to lead to uh, vastly increased uh, flooding, sea level rise, uh, extreme heat and water scarcity, especially in the coastal megacities 
that will be emerging. So the near future looks kind of grim. Uh, now, frankly, Mike, I don't really believe anything the mainstream media tells me, but I'm not convinced that everything they tell me is always a lie. And my mind is still open on this global warming thing. Like I've tried to look at both sides of this issue and I'm not a hardcore true believer on either side, but I lean towards thinking that those who worry about the carbon in the atmosphere going way up so fast and leading to disruptive climate events are probably more likely to be right than those who say, no, there's no human influence on climate. Well, I used to think uh, global warming was a real thing uh, created by uh, reckless burning of fossil fuel. But then I started to see articles every day in the Washington Post uh, about everything from baseball to uh, uh, living in the woods and uh, the future of the new motor car somehow being tied to global warming. And I decided this was more mainstream propaganda and I began to wonder about it. And, of course, uh, a lot of times these things they quoted in, in Newsweek in that article, uh, you needed better flood control in New York City. Uh, in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, when it rains once in a while, they don't have any storm drains, so the city floods. Uh, and, of course, here in Washington, D.C., they keep talking about building a um, flood wall uh, downtown uh, about a mile from the uh, the river, uh, in case the the river floods and floods Washington D.C., which is generally a swamp, but uh, it uh, it rises uphill from the river, so I, I sort of wonder uh, what they're really afraid of and why they want to build a wall. Well, the pu- pushback against these extreme weather events probably includes weather control, but the whole weather weather modification, weather control topic is completely blacked out. It's all classified. We know that forty or fifty years ago. All of the experts were saying there is going to be really intense weather control coming real soon. And then it just dropped off the radar. And so that's a topic that should be explored further. There's a book called Weather Wars. I interviewed the author who has since passed away a while back. Uh, and that's something that needs to be added to this whole global warming climate change debate. Um, well, speaking of horrific catastrophes and indeed Holocaust, uh, how about the fracking boom making this global warming thing worse? And it's focused right now that the threat is coming out of the Permian Basin in West Texas and eastern New Mexico. Apparently, if all of the gas and oil that's frackable there gets put into the atmosphere, or the carbon gets put in the atmosphere, uh, the planet will keel over dead, according to this Guardian article. And again, I, I know smart people who question the whole global warming narrative, uh, but they haven't convinced me yet. So I'm not convinced that, yes, this is propaganda. It's alarmist. It's being used to support global control systems, great resets, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, 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 yes. But that doesn't mean that there isn't really necessarily a a climate threat. Well, I think this fracking is is insane and outright dangerous. Granted, you're pumping water into the ground, but you're pumping water full of chemicals into the ground to fracture uh, low-lying rock formations, uh, and you have no control over what happens. You have no control over whether this causes an earthquake. I think the one that hit Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago uh, really came out of a fracking operation a couple of states away. So I, I think that uh, they're doing this, and they have no control over it once they get the water in and what happens to the ground underneath a mile or two down. And uh, what happens when all of this stuff gets released into your drinking water uh, and uh, what happens when you have all these outgassing of whatever is down there a couple of miles deep? So I, I, I don't see this as a uh, 
a benefit. Yeah, I remember when I stayed in a motel room uh, right in the middle of the fracking region of North Dakota, turned on the tap for the first time and almost passed out from the smell. The, mm. the so-called drinking water there, not only can you not drink it, you can't even sniff it. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think you're right, Mike. Uh, well, again, and, and more doom and gloom uh, catastrophe imagery. Uh, we just saw this huge uptick in estimated COVID deaths. It's now up to almost 15 million. And just the other day, it was 6 million. So how do they go from a magic number, 6 million Holocaust, to a 15 million Holocaust so quickly? Well, this estimate uh, is coming from an excess death count. So it's not just the people who died from COVID, but it's all the other excess deaths, including deaths of despair, suicides, economically disrupted people who ended up dead for one reason or another. So, I mean, do the math. If both of these numbers are right, 6 million dead from COVID, 15 million total, that adds up to 9 million dead from the reaction to the pandemic and only 6 million dead from the disease itself, which would be prima facie evidence that the cure was worse than the disease. Uh, am I crazy to look at it this way? No, not at all. I've seen any number of articles that talk about the uh, the reaction to the uh, injections uh, supposedly going to save you from the evil virus, and people die from them. People are sick from them. They don't get well. Uh, and they, they're talking now about they, of something called long COVID, where you, you get COVID and never fully recover. And they think this is a result of the, the treatment that they give you. And of course, as Robert Kennedy in his book, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci says, uh, these uh, things were uh, rigged. Uh, the uh, statistics on the uh, uh, tests of the uh, the untested virus uh, medications uh, were uh, manipulated. Uh, so you don't get the real f- true story. Uh, you get people who die in a motorcycle wreck uh, uh, and their uh, class is dying from COVID, not the wrecked motorcycle. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, lies, damned lies and statistics as... Uh, Israeli said, or as, as I read in an economics text in college, uh, statistics are like a bikini. What they reveal is suggestive, but what they conceal is vital. So okay. I think we need to look long and hard at this stuff. That's right. And, and, and that line actually applies to our next story, which is the uh, we're in our mystery section. One mystery is, was there fraud, pervasive fraud in the most recent presidential election, as Trump alleges? And this new film, 2000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza, argues that there was and claims that they have proof. Essentially, they geolocated uh, these people who passed by uh, voting drop boxes uh, many times and claim that that's proof these people were uh, basically harvesting ballots and dumping off multiple ballots. I'm not convinced. I didn't actually see the movie. I saw the trailer and I read analyses of the movie on both sides, people who support its thesis and then these two that we're linking here that oppose it. Uh, there's an AP attempted debunking of the film, and then there's Greg Palast's debunking. And I think Palast is actually better. Palast makes a really good point that this film doesn't name any names. It doesn't even name the nonprofits that were supposedly involved, doesn't name any of the apparent uh, criminals, and doesn't provide you – know, the reason it doesn't is because it, they don't really have proof that these people who passed within 50 feet of drop boxes where there are surveillance cameras, why would you even do that, right? As Palace says, why wouldn't you just drop your ballots into mailboxes and that don't have any surveillance? Uh, so so the, to me, it, it looks like this is yet another example of 
the people who say there was fraud in the most recent election, which, yeah, there may have been, who then point to unconvincing evidence. Um, but I, I will await to hear what Kat McGuire tells me uh, and maybe have to stand corrected on that. <laughs> well, I've got to say that the whole thing boils down to nobody is doing any investigations, no matter what the charges are. And what was out in the open uh, was that the Democrat cheek of the great American behind, as one African journalist commented, um, these were the people who got the Green Party removed from the ballot in the once sovereign state of Texas, Montana, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And that is hardly democratic. And if this is what is done openly, who knows what they did secretly. And that's why we need a real investigation, a uh, not a controlled, small investigation, but a, a nationwide, in-depth investigation. And certainly the uh, the journalists ought to do this instead of wringing their hands uh, about this. I mean, I don't, I don't want to criticize Greg Pallast. He's written about me and uh, the, the Visas for Terrorists program a couple of times in the, some of his books. So uh, he, he's, he's good at, at journalism and investigating. But we need investigation uh, more than just charges and countercharges. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I would agree with that. And we also need investigations on the UFO issue. And guess what? We're getting one. Well, supposedly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the first time, uh, this coming Tuesday will be the first time that Congress has convened a public hearing on UFOs since Project Blue Book in 1969. Uh, and, and guess what? Adam Schiff says, quote, <laughs> American people deserve full transparency. Well, that reassures me. How about you? Well, I think that uh, the aliens have landed and have taken over the government. And Adam Schiff is probably one of them. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Okay, more uh, more controversial investigative issues. Let's investigate the uh, the housewife versus working woman issue. <laughs> uh, according to this uh, kind of hilarious story in the New York Post, the millennial men want 1950s housewives, so they're going to have to get time machines. Hey, if they're UFOs, maybe they're time machines, too, <laughs> and go back to the 1950s so they can live in Norman Rockwell paintings. Uh, no, but seriously, Mike, I'm, uh, I see this as yet another example of this pervasive tendency among people, especially on the political left in the United States and other Western countries, to deny the reality of gender. No such thing as male and female. There's like 38 different Baskin-Robbins flavors. We don't want to have men who have 30 or 40 times as much testosterone on the average as women and have totally different shaped brains, which are formed differently in the womb due to the influence of hormones, who behave differently. There are some, even some behavioral cognitive tests where virtually every man scores on one end and every woman on the other, although most have some overlap. The reality is men and women are really different on the average. And we're not allowed to say that or notice that, but human nature is reasserting itself, and the millennial men want 1950s housewives. Well, I got a uh, note from an African journalist in Europe, and in the uh, the note, it was basically a picture uh, from Amazon selling T-shirts that said uh, there are more than two genders, and the choices were male and female-sized T-shirts. <laughs> Such a deal. I can't wait to buy one then. Uh, okay, well, it, 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 we're, we're going to finish off with our final uh, sexism watch story here. Uh, uh, second sex, sexism watch story, because we're always on the alert for sexism here at False Flag Weekly News. Uh, in this case, 
it appears that they're not naming enough parasitic worms after female scientists. Of the 596 species of parasitic worms named after eminent scientists, only 111 or 19% recognized women, according to New Zealand's University of Otago. So I, I think this is probably the world's most pressing problem. What do you think? <laughs> well, I think the subhead there on the screen tells it all. Clown world strikes again. This is absolute nonsense, and uh, there are, surely these scientists have better things to do than worry about the names of worms. Okay, and I think we're, we're going to have to leave it there, and we'll be back to report next week on more important things than the names of worms, because that's what we do here at False Flag Weekly News. Well, thank you so much, uh, J. Mike Springman. It's always good to talk with you on these monthly meetings on Saturday morning. I appreciate your your wisdom, insight, wit, repartee. And uh, and all the crazy stuff you say that probably pisses off some of our viewers. Good. <laughs> so keep up the good work. Get their attention. I like this. This is okay. fun. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.